Welcome and thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. Our guest for this episode is Dr. Kelly Bennett, a family medicine physician at Texas Tech Physicians and associate professor at TTOHSC. Dr. Bennett talked to us about seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, a form of depression that's common during this time of year in the Northern Hemisphere when the days get shorter and we're exposed to less sunlight. Dr. Bennett also talked to us about good sleeping habits and why it's important for our health that we get proper rest. Well, thanks so much for coming on our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at the Health Sciences Center? Sure. My name is Kelly Bennett, MD. I am an associate professor here at Texas Tech Health Science Center, and I work in the School of Medicine in the Department of Family Medicine. And I take care of all age groups from birth till 100 plus, do inpatient service in the hospitals, outpatient services in our clinic with all age groups. Um, And I spend a lot of time taking care of the LGBT population, the underserved population, And then I have a special interest also in women's health and sports medicine. Well, thanks again for coming on our podcast and talking to us about SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. Can you tell us what that is? Well, Seasonal Affective Disorder is kind of like a low-level depression that some people get in the fall as the seasons change. That's where the S, seasonal, comes from because as the earth tilts away from the sun, we have less daylight, uh, our hours get shorter, the temperatures get cooler, and because of weather patterns, we tend to have more of our uh, overcast days in the fall and winter time than we would at the other times of the year. And this lack of warmth and sunshine has a tendency to make people kind of have the blues, so to speak. Why does it affect us that way? Well, uh, the body like sunlight. The sunlight versus dark helps us to regulate our circadian rhythms. So we really love to have at least 12 hours of sunlight a day, if not more. People are more energetic when it's warmer and there's more sunlight. People spend more time outside their homes interacting with people. So when you don't have that, people have a tendency to kind of isolate themselves and go and hibernate like other mammals do. You know, there are many types of animals that aren't even out in the wintertime. Well, you mentioned isolation, and because of COVID, we haven't been able to be around others as much as we'd like to. Has COVID affected SAD in any way? Yes, COVID has made seasonal affective disorder much worse, both last year and I assume it will this year too, because a lot of the things that we tell people to do to deal With seasonal affective disorder, COVID directly contradicts those things. So we tell people, okay, you need to be around people more. Don't isolate. Don't hibernate. Go and spend more time with your family, with your friends. Go to restaurants. Go to bars. Go to sporting events. Go to art things. Just get out of the house and be with people from church and clubs. So what are we hearing in relation to the pandemic? Don't do any of those things. Stay at home. Stay only with your pods. Stay six feet away from everybody. Wear your masks and basically don't go play well with others. So this has been incredibly difficult for people to manage 
the change of the seasons from summer to fall at the same time that we're undergoing a once in a lifetime pandemic. So what can we do to make sure that we're getting enough sunlight? Well, there are things that you can do with with both light management and with certain medications. It's good to have a lot of light early in the morning. So what you can do is purchase a light box and you can get those on uh, Amazon or Walmart Target for as little as 30 or $40. They're lights that actually are so bright they simulate the sunrise. And so you can have those come on at any time. They're on timers, which makes your pineal gland in your brain think that it's broad daylight even if it's dark outside which helps reset your circadian rhythms so that's something that helps and if you can't afford a light box uh, or you've managed to lose your light box in a move uh, you can do something else which is turning on all the lights so when I wake up in the morning I am a complete grump and I would love to just shade my eyes and and blindly go around the house without, you know, putting a light in my eyes because I find it painful to get up in the morning. But I have learned that even though it, it hurts, <laughs> it's a lot better if I flip on every single light, the lamp, the light overhead, two lights in my bathroom and just saturate myself with light to tell my pineal gland, okay, even though it's seven o'clock and pitch dark outside, it is daylight to you, babe. You need to get up and get at it. And I have found that that helps very much. Although I'll tell you on my drive to work, when I get here and the sun hasn't even come up yet, I'm back to being just maybe a wee bit grumpy. How do we know if what we're experiencing is just, you know, a little bit of blues because of seasonal affective disorder or whether it's something more serious? I would say if if you feel in the dark mornings like this is not much fun and I don't want to be here and I'd rather be on vacation on a beach, but then you get to interacting with people at work and you all that just drops away and you feel fine, you're probably dealing with a little touch of seasonal affective disorder. However, if you get to work and you're interacting with people and you still feel that way, you still feel upset and depressed and grumpy, and even interacting with folks is enlightening your mood, then you may need to talk to your doctor or a therapist about your feelings. Now let's talk about something else that I think the pandemic affected in us all, and that is the lack of sleep. How does the lack of sleep affect our health? Well, human beings need to have about a third of the time sleeping. It literally resets us. It's kind of easier to explain now that we're in the computer age because we all understand that when we're not using our computers, they hibernate and they do all this updating and stuff behind the scenes when we're not working on it. And our bodies are the same way. When we're asleep, we have all these... uh, Uh, brain chemical pathways that do stuff when we're asleep sometimes you know because you're an REM having a dream and it's very important to our health that we get that time to kind of reset A, a lot of people have had insomnia with COVID because of worry and anxiety am I going to die is my family going to die am I going to lose my job what's going on with my finances you know I believe in vaccines but my 
significant other doesn't, we're having problems in our relationship because we have differing opinions. And so there's just lots of angst, which is causing a lack of sleep. And then a lot of people who have actually had COVID, uh, this can go either way. Some people have been experiencing insomnia after COVID, and then other people have been experiencing what we call hypersomnia after COVID, which actually means getting too much sleep or requiring too much sleep. When you add that with seasonal affective disorder, most of the time, in the wintertime, people, again, they have a tendency to hibernate and it's dark outside. And so, you know, they kind of have a tendency to just want to go to bed. Forget it. I'm just going to bed. And so a lot of times in the wintertime, people have hypersomnia uh, because it's dark 14 hours a day. And up in the north, I mean, people have seasonal affective disorder here in Lubbock and we actually have it good because we have the minimum. We still have 10 hours of daylight, even on December 21st. Up where my sister lives in Seattle, you know, they're lucky if they have six hours of daylight. So it's the the symptoms are way worse up there than they are here. And the desire to hibernate and sleep all day is way worse up there, too. It's interesting that in places in the far north have a lot more outdoor lighting to help with that. It's I was in um, Denmark uh, a couple of years ago, and even though it was in the summertime, I noticed that their their lighting was spectacular in their city at night and i wondered if it was because that lifts everybody's mood because you know in the in the depths of winter when it's dark 20 hours a day if that artificial lighting helps with people's moods there but we don't have it so bad here that we have to resort to that well as a side note I moved here from South Texas, where we get a lot of sunshine, and then to adjust to the difference here, because my office was inside the building without a window, and I didn't go outside, I didn't get any sunlight, so I felt it, and I'm like, what's going on? Well, I went to medical school down in College Station, where it seemed to me, and this is probably not true, but it seemed to me that every day was overcast with drizzle. So one of the reasons that I came to Tech for residency and stayed is because I loved the 300 days a year of sunshine. I was all about that. So that's one of the reasons I stayed here was the climate. But I understand what you mean about the the windows. My old building that I worked in on main campus, I had a window onto, uh, I think, Flint. And then I moved over to the Health Science Center, and I don't have any windows. I'm totally, I have to go through a door, through a door, through a door to get to even see any outside light. So now, at lunchtime and even just randomly during my half days, I will disappear because I need to see some sunlight. Yeah, that's a good idea. I would just do that, too. I would just, because I had to get the sunlight, (laughs) because it was too much. Just showing up here and it was dark and then right. being in the dark. And I recommend that people, you know, take your opportunity to get sunlight when you can. Even if you have to put on layers, put on a big old parka coat, uh, put a toboggan on your hand, gloves on and a scarf, go out there and get some sun. Get some vitamin D in you, get that sun to go through your optic disc to tell your pineal gland, it is sunny and I'm happy. Um, so I am a sun worshiper, so to speak, in the wintertime, because I have found that it really elevates my mood to have sunshine. 
And so in the wintertime, I'll have all the blinds open in my house. Everything is super lit up during the daytime, where in the summertime, I would keep those same blinds closed or we're all going to fry. So speaking of sleep, how does lack of sleep affect our health? Well, you know, it really affects our, our, our nervous system's ability to think clearly. So, you, of course, you can make mistakes that would affect your health, like, you know, not stopping at a, at a traffic light. It also really affects our immune system. And so this is one where people are more likely to pick up a viral infection, pick up a bacterial infection, because their immune system is not in top shape because their body hasn't had enough reset time. Also, our same immune system helps us clear out cancers. You know, our body actually will make, you know, hundreds of cancer cells every day of our life. But our immune system goes in there and it's like, no, and gets rid of that. Well, if your immune system isn't up to par because you are so, you know, deprived of sleep and so tired and fatigued, again, you're more likely to, to get a cancer or an infection that way. So pretty much every system of the body needs the rest and relaxation to maintain itself. How common are sleep disorders? Well, there's the kind of sleep disorder that most people think of is insomnia or difficulty getting to sleep or difficulty remaining asleep. But there are other sleep disorders that actually occur while you're sleeping, things like restless leg disorder or things like, um, you know, sleep apnea where you're not breathing very well that need to be seen to by by a doctor but the most common sleep disorder is really just plain insomnia which most of the time occurs because people have poor sleep hygiene so the very very first thing i do is talk to people about what they're doing surrounding their sleep so i want to know things like how much caffeine do you drink when's the latest in the day you drink any how much alcohol do you drink when's the latest in the day that you drink any are you using nicotine products any other kind of stimulants that would keep you from falling asleep so first i want to make sure that there's not anything chemically going on that's interfering with somebody's ability to sleep And then I talk to them about their habits around bedtime. You know, are they using their bed to like study or work at? Because you've probably heard before, we tell people don't use your bed for anything but sleep and sex because then you'll associate it with being awake and being productive. And then when you do try to sleep, you can't. Um, So we try to tell people don't watch TV in bed. Don't, you know, read anything that's stimulating when you're in bed. We now in the last 20 years, I've added the part about screen time. So we want for you not to use your computer in bed. Don't look at your phone in bed. Now, I'll tell you that even I break that rule, but my phone, like many smartphones, has a special feature where it has a nighttime feature so that at night it will change the way the screen looks and it will be darker so that it has less stimulation to that pineal gland I keep referring to. So I'll read a book on my on my uh, Kindle app through my phone that actually the book is black lit with the words in white so that there is the smallest amount of light going to my brain telling me to be awake. And so then I'm able to read something for fun, not a medical thing. That's not fun and it would wake me up. Um, so I'll read something for fun and it will relax me and I'll be able to go to sleep. So a lot of times we have to talk to people about TV and screens and stuff like that. 
Another thing is about the comfort of your actual room. Is there loud traffic stuff going on outside? Do you have a cat that keeps walking over you? Is your dog licking your foot? I mean, all of those things can be disruptive. Do you have small children coming into the room and bonsaiing right in the middle of you while you're trying to sleep at night? All those things can affect your sleep. Do you have a partner who <clears throat> needs to be tested for sleep apnea and they're snoring 100 decibels in your ear? So I'll go through people, you know, do you have the room at the right temperature? Do you have a white noise kind of sound? Do you need like air blowing on you? Do you have the kind of sheets and quilts and stuff that make you feel the most comfortable? Uh, and so I'll go through everything with people and usually they're doing something in their life that's causing them to have insomnia. Some people have a tendency to nap. And once you nap in the afternoon, that can throw off your sleeping. So we have to be like, no, no naps. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff like that that you want to address before you ever start talking to somebody about medication. Is there help for sleep disorders? Well, most people, if I can get them to do all the things right, you know, no caffeine after noon, no alcohol after dinner, get rid of cigarettes and nicotines if possible, have a comfortable environment, no screen time, go to bed at the same time every night, get up at the same time every day. And a lot of times people try to go to bed too early. So I'll tell people, how many hours of sleep do you think you need? Let's say they say seven. And I say, what time do you need to get up then to do what you want to do? Oh, I need to be up at seven. I said, okay, so you need seven hours of sleep. You need to be up at seven. So what time do you go to bed? And they're like, 930. I'm like, uh, so you lay in bed for two hours, tossing and turning, then go to sleep at midnight and get up at seven. I'm like, stop doing that. Stop going to bed at 930. Go to bed at midnight or even go to bed at 1230 uh, and get yourself into just a teeny weeny bit of a sleep deficit. It'll reset your your uh, circadian rhythm and you'll be able to go sleep better. So generally, most of the time I can get most people reset if they do all these things correctly and it's not very often that i actually have to give people any medication to kind of try to to get their circadian rhythm right now there's an exception to that when people are on um swing shift duty and they change all the time from doing days to doing nights that is a special level of hell that is really difficult for people um, and sometimes we have to use medications for that you can use melatonin or even prescription strength um, and then there are some people who have something called delayed sleep phase disorder where basically their innate circadian rhythm is set longer than 24 hours so they would do well on mars at 25 hours a day uh, but that's not how we roll here. And so what happens is that after a length of time where they don't have to do anything, they get their days and nights mixed up. Lots of teenagers have this. And it's actually kind of normal for teenagers to have this. And so you'll have your teenager that by the end of the summer, they're going to bed at 5 a.m. and getting up at noon or 1, driving their parents nuts who tell them they're lazy and, you know, you gold brick. And it's really just the natural thing that happens when somebody has delayed sleep phase onset. That one's a little bit harder to treat. And if that person doesn't go and get an occupation where they have to be up at a certain time, if they are on their own time and they're like a freelancer or an artist or something, they're never going to fix it. And they're just going to be that person who keeps with really wild hours. But it's harder to treat something that is innate for them to be 
on a 25-hour cycle in a 24-hour day world, if that makes sense. So how much sleep should we be getting at at different ages, I guess? How much sleep is normal for a young child or a teenager, an adult or an older person? Well, small children need lots of sleep, you know, 16, 18 hours. And by the time you're in elementary school, it's more about nine. In general, the amount of sleep you need goes down from birth all the way to to old age, except there's kind of a temporary spike when you're uh, entering puberty and when you're a teenager where you need a little bit more. So if that uh, teenage son or daughter is always seeming like they're sleeping, there's a reason for that. By the time you're an adult in the workforce, most people need between seven and eight hours. When you're elderly, you probably need more like between six and seven so that's kind of a, a good rule of thumb. But, you know, 95% plus of adults need between six and a half and eight and a half hours, with the average probably being seven and a half. And I have my phone set to track mine. So I can tell you that if you looked back over all the months for the last eight years, I pretty much will average about seven hours and 38 minutes. How good are those trackers? They're pretty good um, because they're based on your movement and your breathing and your temperature. These smart watches can do all that kind of stuff. So, again, what do you recommend we do to get a good night's rest? Uh, My biggest recommendation is to not drink caffeine after lunch not drink alcohol after dinner, and not have any screen time an hour before bedtime. And to only go to bed at the time period you think that you need to get a full night's sleep. So don't go to bed early. Push through and make it. Oh, and don't nap. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, The only thing I forgot to mention about the seasonal affective disorder is that uh, some people will take vitamin D tablets that's been theorized to help with the the mood disorder. Um, There's not a whole lot of research into that, but it's just something to try if you're having a run of seasonal affective. And I have a light box somewhere, but I misplaced it currently. So it doesn't really help much. Oh, it, it, no, it helps. Um, it, but it doesn't help when you don't know where it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for coming on our podcast. Sure, anytime. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss the next episode. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by T.R. Castillo, Susanna Cisneros, and me, Melissa Whitfield.